Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Uh, welcome to Countercharge. I'm the handsome John Quay. And I'm Matt Croger. And welcome to another episode of Countercharge. Uh, again, I am given the great pleasure of interviewing someone from the great motherland. Uh, at this point, I think it, it seems that I'm Countercharge's Commonwealth representative. Uh, Alex Coos doesn't really count because to count, you've got to put out an episode once in a while. Uh, <laughs> shots fired early. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm well, thanks, mate. John, before we uh, relive your life story and tell tell the listeners about you know how you finished up at Clash of Kings UK last week and, and everything, usually we start with a bit of a, a hobby update. Have you been Have you been working on anything? Was there stuff for the tournament, or are you working on something now? Uh, give us an idea uh, of what you're doing. Yeah, I was. Um, I for some reason I decided with uh, about two weeks ago to the tournament that I would completely change my list because you know <laughs> why not, right? You know, and usually it's just the, the, the five minutes before you put the hand in the list as well, so you kind of give yourself like a decision to make. So I've been painting a lot of scarecrows. I've added what, another four regiments to the army and some doppelgangers, um, which interestingly, when I chose the list, I had no idea how I was going to make them. Although, do you guys, do you have anybody over in the um, in Australia who's made a doppelganger unit and what do they used? I think they have, but I haven't. For the life of me, I can't remember what they did use. It's one of those units, isn't it? Because it, you know, what, <laughs> it's supposed to represent yeah, anything, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I had some Riftforge Orcs lying around because uh, when the Riftforge Army box came out, I got myself one of those um, with the idea of building it and never doing it. So <laughs> I just got all those those out and took some some heads from the Shadowhounds, uh, the Night Stalker guys. Stuck those; they fitted quite well, you know, a little bit of you know clipping and stuff, and they went on top. Uh, I think there's some images actually on the Mantic website. I was quite proud of that. And then I saw a bit of inspiration maybe a week or so beforehand where, you know, you put that plus maybe a couple of like scarecrow arms, which don't quite fit the scale of the Riffle Obviously, they're Riffle was a massive, you know, burly orcs, and you got this tiny little scarecrow hand. And just stuck a few bits on there, some butcher arms, and then you just painted most of it grey, shaded it, did a bit of wash, and then just do the nice stalky bits with a bit of pink. And it looked all right. I was quite proud of that at the end. Um, yeah, that 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 sounds good to me. I um, I'll, I'll have to go and have a look at those pictures. Yeah, the only other thought that I had as as you were talking about it is, yeah, I guess you you could just pick, you know, random models from a whole bit different bunch of armies, couldn't you? And and paint them in your your own colour scheme, but it could be yeah. like this changing unit. I just yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I find that I find I don't know about you but I find that just a little bit odd you know when you just got lots of like you've got an orc and a human and you go who are you trying to be right make a decision guys right yeah yeah true true yeah yeah in my mind I can't like I can't see it looking that good doing it that way but yeah yeah it'd be interesting 
I mean, if our uh, if if people are listening to the show and you you have got some inspiration for your doppelgangers, uh, post them post them on the Canon Charge page. I'd like to see them. Yeah, maybe um, that's what I do. I'll see if I can grab them out, stick them on there, and then you know you never know. See, we we'll start a trend. Yeah, true. Yeah, once this comes out, we should um, stick yours on the on the page, and we'll we'll start a doppelganger thread. <laughs> I can just see it descending into people posting doppelganger pictures of each other, though. <laughs> Is it just, I'm just like, no, I mean, as you know, it's just like a load of riffle jokes with your face on map, just like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm 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 quite happy for that to happen. That'd be awesome. Uh, myself, I'm continually plugging away at the halflings. I, I've got to post some pictures of those soon, actually, because I managed to get. What have I got based up now? I've got a regiment of Braves based up, uh, a regiment of the Lancers, mm. uh, Iron Beast, and three units of EJs. So, oh, yeah. yeah, go for the most important units first. Come on. Exactly, exactly. Well, plus they were so easy to assemble and I just knocked them all out at once. But, um, yeah, I, and I, I think that's a great kit. Just you know, banging my head against a wall trying to motivate myself to put the aeronauts together, though, because they're the opposite of the EJs in terms of the. They are, aren't they? Kit. Yeah, like I just. They look awesome so, when they're done, but yeah, it's just yeah. The, the ropes going everywhere. You're like, Come yeah, on, guys. yeah, such a shame. I just don't, I just don't know what they were thinking, honestly. Anyway, yeah, and I took my dragon. Empire out for a run last week as Basalia, and I, I tried a couple of the changes that are in the new Big Red book, um, particularly the Ancient Phoenix, and I, I love oh. the Ancient Phoenix. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen that leaked, but the, the Phoenix gets a bit cheaper, and there's an there's an upgrade where the defense drops even lower, but the regen goes up. And so, yeah. um, between two turns, I had it between healing itself and regening, and a little assistance from a priest. It took 15 wounds off itself <laughs> across <Yeah>. two turns. <laughs> it was very frustrating for my opponent. <laughs> I imagine it is as well. It's the most scoring thing as well. It's defense too. It's just it's just so tempting. Yeah. You know, yep. I'm yeah. gonna shoot it. Yep. Um he had a few war machines, I think, and almost one shot at it in the first turn, uh, with eight wounds. Uh well almost wavered it anyway. <clears throat> and yeah, but then at the end of that turn, it had uh, end of my next turn, it had zero wounds left. <laughs> Does it, uh, doesn't it have like um, it's got cloak of death and radiance of life as well? Correct, correct. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, beautiful, just beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, and after that, so I think listeners would have seen my bridge, my horde bridge base before where they all gave me crap about not painting the rocks um and i still won't be painting the rocks you bloody ingrates but i am painting the rocks on my halflings but uh, after the horde i've halfway through painting all the swordsmen for that horde and i've decided though i want to go back and change it to um sister infantry so uh for the dragon empire they've got some geisha models so geisha style models i should say and so i'm going to paint up a horde of them and get them on the basis yeah, I, I think they're they're a mis, I don't know, they're misrepresented or just an underused unit, but they are. They can kick ass when they get there. Yeah, I think so. I think part of the problem is they require some protecting, right? Because they're def three, they can still be one shotted as a horde. But I think also that the miniatures that they have for them are a little bit dated, and it's a little bit harder to to fall in yeah, love with them. That's um, true. Yeah. So so what I did in this game is I held them, like I made sure I just really held them back. I was playing against Kingdoms of Men with all the bloody flying heroes 
And um, so I'm, I just made sure I held them back right to the end. And then when they did get into combat near the end, yeah, they can do some heavy lifting, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, get some Elohi in there as well in the fight. And, oh, an elite horde yeah. of uh, crushed one. Was it 30 attacks, isn't it, for a horde as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 attacks. Uh, hit on fours, but crush one. So, yeah, they can... they can, they can Elite vicious. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, enough about me, John, uh, because our listeners are hearing into... Uh, tuning in, sorry, not hearing in, tuning in to hear your wise words. Uh, it's uh, It's been a while since you've been on the show, so can you give us a bit of a reminder of your Wargaming origin story and then how that origin story evolved into Kings of War? Oh, well, for me, um, I started Wargaming, oh, geez, when I was 12 with uh, like a pack of those combat cards. Whenever you had those uh, or seen those, they were just you know, simple stats. Playing against your brother, you know, cheat usually to make sure that, you know, you won. <laughs> um, but that was, I think they were like the Chaos Marauders. And it was just like a list of like the old fantasy style, like uh, Chaos Miniatures, you know. So he picked up White Dwarf and oh, I haven't looked back. Worked for GW in the past, went in one of their retail stores. But just before we, we looked to get into Age of Sigma, it is Age of Sigma, isn't it? Uh, had started looking at Kings of War um, just as a, a basically a change. Uh, if everybody remembers playing fantasy, it was uh, uh, at that stage it was just my eighth edition, just a nightmare if you were using the wrong kind of army and going to a tournament, which is what I was doing. So when switching over to Kings of War, it was nice to have something where it was a balance across it. And then second edition dropped just about the same time as Age of Sigma already hit, and then haven't looked back since then. Played in one too many tournaments. Had fun doing it. Still here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, haven't looked back as far as you're concerned. Uh, no, not until recently. But maybe I'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, I think. Yeah. Okay. How, how often do you get to actually play Kings of War? I'm lucky is that we do have uh, a friendly local gaming store in, in our town. And we've now got somewhere between... Well, four to eight Kings of War players on a on a regular basis, um, yeah. and then it's just a short hop away to go and see a few other guys as well, so we can diversify it out. So you try and get a game in once a week. Plus, also I fight play far too many games online. Um, yep, but I enjoy doing it. It's great to you know, play people from all over the world. You know that anyway, don't you? That's the only way you get a game at this point in time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah mostly. <laughs> Mostly, and 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 usually not live. I've I've usually biased towards the play by emails style, but um, yeah, yeah. but um, for us for yeah. us with families, so much easier to manage, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Now, but before while I was having a look, because I personally haven't been on a show with you before, I jumped on the Kings of War Masters, uh, the UK site. And it tells me you're the current UK number two, mate, with a with a win rate of seventy one point four percent, no less. So uh, yeah. you're not you're not bad at this game. Is is yeah. the tournament gaming what you really love? The competitive side. Uh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> maybe a little bit too much. You know, I always I think, oh, I'll just take a step back. I'll play in a tournament, take it easy, never enjoy it. So then I come back and then take it out on somebody else. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a good season for me this year. A uh, couple of ups and downs, but yeah, I always seem to be the bridesmaid though in these things. I think it was uh, uh, the last season, the season before last, I ended up coming second uh, in the 
the overall league at the end of the year and then came second at Masters as well. It's always pipped by somebody else. Yeah, right. Well, that's all right, mate. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you'd look great in a bridesmaid's dress. Um, <laughs> Handsome <laughs> and beautiful. Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So when you when you say that that's the side you like and you try and take it easy, is is it more about you you need to have a list that you know performs on the table? Like what what is the side that if you're not playing as competitively that you don't like as much? Like can you give me a bit of insight there? Uh, it, it's, I mean, uh, I, sometimes, you know, I just like to go to the tournament and have a, have a bit of fun. It's uh, um, whenever you put pressure on yourself to, to do well, you'll always end up in a position where um, uh, every game is going to be tight. Every, every game needs, like, you know, razor sharp focus. Uh, and you, it's always nice to then kind of take that step back and, uh, and just enjoy the game for what it is. It's the only real difference. It's it, you know, it's really interesting. With a, uh, a friend of mine, one of the gaming club, uh, Mike Smith, who's uh, who did fairly well the recent Clash of Kings, and he had the most stressful weekend of all of us. <laughs> he was playing some really tough games all the way through the all the way through the tournament. We got the end of the uh, the end of the actual thing, and he ended up just being above me by about I think it was two hundred like kill points. But he looked like he'd been through a marathon. I was like, oh. I'm just about to go get some beers. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. <laughs> mm. I think it probably, yeah, it, it probably also, I, I think you're right, like different people get enjoyment out of it in different ways, right? So if it's, for someone, some people will have had his experience mm. at Clash mm. and have just loved it. You know, that's exactly what they want from the game, right? And there's, yeah. there's you know, there's no right way to enjoy this game, uh, you know, I think. Um, no, there isn't. No, I think you're right. I think it's it's, yeah. it's not a bad thing. You think sometimes it's just it, it, that sometimes what happens. I mean, I, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I that I get to do that on a fairly regular basis, and they always like the challenge. But it's always nice sometimes to take um take a step back. Um, you know what that's like, don't you, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I live I live in the stepped back zone, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Or is it the other way where it's really stressful, but you're still in the setback? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no one's um, no one's ever accused me of being any good. So, <laughs> and and it's funny though, like some people. So, and and you can just see it differently. Like someone like, uh, well, you know, Jeffrey Trace here. He he loves to win, and that and that's good, right? You know, he he wouldn't he wouldn't be playing the game to lose. But you play him on the table, and he doesn't even look like he's thinking. Do you know what I mean? But you, but you take you could take that exact same game, and, and you'll see someone you know looking like they're going to have an aneurysm, thinking about how they're going to win that game. So uh, I mean, it, I think it's just you know different people, different outlooks, different you know different experience levels. I, I think there's lots of variables there, right? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So can I take it then that um, the narrative experience isn't so much of a thing for you? Uh, I mean, in terms of like our background, etc., I think we're all a little, mm. well, not all of us, but a few of us are a little bit behind on the kind of narrative that, that swings around Kings of War. I, you know, with the release of that third edition, I did actually went, I actually should know a little bit more about Panathor, and I did read a bit more about it. And it's always in the back of my mind, it could do, I, I always like the idea of those kind of like a campaign. I don't know if you've ever like seen, you know, things like Napoleon, you know, and just recounting what he ended up doing. But just sometimes you're on the back foot, isn't it? You know, and it'd be nice just to do a, 
like a similar non like a even battles where it's you know it's going to be sometimes you're fighting a rear guard or something along those lines i've always fancied doing a more of a narrative campaign it's just time isn't it you know availability yeah. and priorities you know yeah it is once i'm once i'm back into more regular gaming you know when the kids are better at going to bed just for their mum um <laughs> Uh, I um, I really now that the new book has all three three levels. Uh, well, sorry, all three levels has three levels of gameplay in terms of a- ambush, standard, and larger battles. I really want to kind of try and put together some sort of campaign experience utilizing all of those, like a map based campaign. And I think, you know, I think it can be competitive and narrative all at the same time. You know, which really just depends on your group, really. Um, it does, yeah. Um, Depends on the people you get involved with it. You know, I've never done. I, I don't know if you've ever done like the the kind of the role play games. I don't know if you've ever done. No, I've, I've, like I've, it's, it's it's something I've never got into. But yeah, uh, I've personally I've never been involved in it either. But with the advent of YouTube, you can actually watch pretty much anything. Yeah, it should look quite fun. Um, but it, for, yeah, you could do it either way, couldn't you? You could have a bit of competition in it, or you could just have fun and just go right. Let's just see what happens. It doesn't really matter who wins or loses. Absolutely, yeah. And you can even watch Vin Diesel role playing these days on YouTube. You know? Can you? (laughs) 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 Uh, When it comes to Kings of War, so there's there's been a bit of a knock on Kings in the past about how armies feeling flavorful or unique, having their own identity. Uh, How important is that to you? Do you think? being able to differentiate between them from a from like a flavor gameplay level. I think we have to like, acknowledge that quite a lot of the stuff is you know it's generic kind of fantasy, isn't it? You know we are riding on the coattails a little bit of uh, you know Lord of the Rings, Warhammer in the past, etc. Um, but I feel like the, especially in recent years, have kind of branched out a little bit more. I mean, obviously Night Stalkers are they really kind of pushed that as a unique IP, which I quite like. You know, but I guess it's just uh, it's going to take time, I think, just to kind of build. Uh, we've got all the novels, except for they're coming out. I have to admit, I've not, you know, taken the time to actually go and read those. But it was one of the things on the, you know, the to do list because it's just nice to give a bit of like um, feel for all your armies as well. Um, is that what you kind of mean? And also, like, do do you think, like, so if you've got, if you've got three armies at home, say, let's just say, I, I think on the site. It said your most two common ones this your two most common ones yeah. this year were base um Basilia and Night Stalkers. And let's just say you had orcs and goblins. Is it important to you that when you're looking at those armies that they all play or feel different? Or for you it like it doesn't really matter that you just have a, you know, as long as the rule set does what it needs to do in terms of gameplay, then that's what matters. Oh, in, in that case, yeah. In terms of like play stylage. Each army is slightly different, isn't it? You know, I mean, I would, I do like the fact that you can get, you know, uh, Empire of Dust, you know, they're completely reactionary style army. You're not going to have a huge alpha strike from them, but they're just going to grind you down, spike you, you know, with the surges. And you can have Basilia, which are your kind of, well, the way I run them at least, isn't it? You know, they'll get you from 20 inches away. <laughs> yeah. You just, yeah. there's not much you can do about it. Um, and then I use the nice daughters, which are kind of like, uh, you know, they, I use them for kind of attractive. So you end up with lots of like different units, etc. And then, that's the thing. I think sometimes people could level at Kings and say, well, it's, it's a simpler game. But I think that's what it gives it 
the ability to have that flavor is that you can do lots of unique things and then people don't have to focus on you know i always found it like why am i edition that uh, you always have to have like a magic phase you know you always have to like, spend a lot of time and effort on that and they all end up being similar you all end up using the same spells essentially no matter which army you go to but i think it's, it's different in kings yeah yeah no i totally agree and you love a game on UB. Oh, we we alluded to it before. <laughs> we alluded. Uh, um, is that is that what do you love about that? Is it convenient for you? Is it a preferred way? Uh, tell us about uh, how and why you use UB. Uh, as I said, I, I get regular games. You know, I'm not posted, uh, but I get regular games. I've got some good friends I play with. But you know, a lot of the time when we're we're, we're playing in the clubs, you, you're coming down. And it's, it's nice to. Have a friendly experience. You've got some people who are newer to the game, so you want to help them through the process. So you don't want to end up like you know taking the ultimate filth that sometimes you you want to take. <laughs> you want to you want to stay friends. Um, so it's nice on UB to be able to reach out to like pretty much anybody uh, across the world. I mean, I you know I play a few guys across the pond in America, played some guys in Australia, Europe. <laughs> it was interesting. One of the guys I played at Clash of Kings, uh, Ulysses. Uh, Ulysses, really nice guy. I played him at UB uh, maybe a couple of months before. But it, I like it because you can go out there, you can take whatever list you want. You can be honest with them. You can get the, the kind of player who wants to play that kind of competitive game, um, or you can just have somebody who wants to do a, a casual thing just to keep your uh, your eye in. I think so that's why I kind of like it. It's not going to replace in life gaming for me, but it's, it's a nice uh, tool to have. Yeah, I, I agree. Like for, for me, I think like I'll, I'll always prefer on the table, but you be like to, to me, it, it not being so immersive isn't a big deal. It's, it's just, I just like playing the game. Right. So, uh, and, and more recently, like I said, I've been, you know, playing it turn by turn with people and then chucking it in battle reports. And I think, yeah, that's just just a bit of fun, you know. So it's, it's a way you can still play the game if you don't have quite time to get on the table. Uh, the beautiful thing about it now, UB, is that they've made the browser-based version pretty much as good as the the application. So uh, you can pretty much do anything in the browser. So I, I, can, I can play it wherever I am. So because I, you know, I split myself between two separate businesses that I run and and home. So you know, wherever I am. I've got access to, to the game I love. <laughs> do, you, do you find sometimes that they send you the message when you're going, and you know you should be doing something else, but you're looking at it going, oh, hang on, I could do this and that, and then, oh, hang on. Um, you yeah, have yeah. to control yourself sometimes, don't you? Oh, mate, the worst is if I get the notification, like a messenger notification on my watch and I'm like mid-consult. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, just, it's super distracting super distracting i'll be like oh you know because usually usually like the the text or something will come through with some sort of insult or something so uh um you know <laughs> as well uh so um yeah yeah it, it definitely can be distracting but i i also love it so you have just come back from clash of kings uk last weekend uh mm-hmm. give us uh give us a tell us about the event uh, how many points was it? How many rounds? Where was it? Uh, give, give us a little rundown on what Clash of Kings UK was this year. This year, they decided to hold it uh, at the London Grand Tournament, which is basically held inside an indoor sports arena. I mean, you probably have indoor like athletics tracks and stuff, don't you? Uh, 
Yeah, not many actually. We have a couple. Oh, of you have good weather. Rings, but You've got good yeah, weather. That's yeah, different. Well, yeah, yeah. Better, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't mind ri- roasting in summer. But yeah, mm. better winters than you do, that's for sure. <laughs> so it, it just an indoor track, 200 meters round, and they have like um, essentially the track area, and then they've got like a mezzanine uh, just where uh, above the seating, etc. And there was, I think, all told, there was maybe 1,200, 1,500 like gamers in there playing 40k was obviously the biggest they were probably about 740k gamers taking part in the tournament but they had age of sigma they had uh song of ice and fire they uh the not all the rings what's that one that is the game of thrones game of thrones equivalent yep um which they all play with 2d flat terrain so it's like playing ub half ub half real life you kind of look yeah, across okay. at a table and you go where's the terrain and you have to kind of yeah. top down to kind of see it with I find that bizarre too for a game like Lord of the Rings because the rule set itself is meant to be so cinematic is probably a good way to do it. Like some of the rules are really like meant to reflect what you read in the books or see in the movies, but to then have 2D terrain, it just, that just seems quite bizarre to me. It does. And I think yeah. the, it's improved this year, but uh, last year we were at the LGT last year and that uh, there wasn't many painted miniatures, let's put it that way. But they have yeah, improved right. on that at least. Mm. But they also have like other things. They had card games there. And they had Warmaster. Do you remember Warmaster? They had yep. the tournament yeah. that going on. Blood Bowl. I think they also had some I don't think no, I don't think they had any firefighters going up. But you know, the concept being if we you know, we're gonna get out there, we might as well show our faces to the rest of the rest of the gaming world. Unfortunately, where it was in North London, it's just a little bit hard for some people in the north to get to and the accommodation isn't cheap. So we did lose maybe a couple of numbers, but it was still, I think, you know, all told, I think it was 65, 66, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. There was some Spanish. And yep. <laughs> uh, it was it was good. It was 2,300 points, which I think is kind of the standard at the moment. Uh, nothing too fancy in terms of, like, uh, scenarios, et cetera. Just good, clean kings of war. Yep. How many rounds? Uh, they did five this year. In the oh, past, five. they've done six. But okay. five, so three and two split. Um, I'm I'm kind of a favour of like the two games on the Sunday. I'm actually kind of like I if you're going to do a two day event, I'm actually leaning towards four games on a Saturday. But uh, three and two is fine. Yeah, we did we did four games at Clash uh, for a long time on day one, but people became less tolerant of it over time. Okay. It yeah, just more they 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 were finding getting and and particularly because ours is held in the the middle of summer, so it's also hot, you know. Um, yeah. So and the air cons usually aren't that good. So I think there was a combination there, but they just found it a bit exhausting. But five, I wouldn't have thought with sixty eight doesn't necessarily get you a clear winner on win loss draw, right? Um. It was, I mean, they were using a Northern King style yeah. like, uh, scoring system, I think. it's Yeah, it, it doesn't maybe have the granularity of six games. I, I don't know, sometimes you're just going to kind of like, the difference I think is going to be nominal enough that uh, you may, as you, you say, you may not get as much of a clear difference between the winner and the loser, but I think that just means that you don't lose that kind of like um, dead rubber game. Because also, don't forget, you know, I think everybody else at the tournament all right, if you're, you're battling for first, great. But if you're in mid-table, you're like, what am I playing for, you know? Yeah. you've got to think about holistically how it impacts people's lives. Yeah, so, well, I think 
Uh, yeah, I, and I think you're right. Like, we can probably get a bit hung up on having a clear winner. But in the end, all it is is a different tournament pack, right? And n- not really that different between the difference between Northern Kings and Blackjack scoring, right? You know, you know ahead yeah. of time the tournament pack. So if you want to win, you build your list accordingly, yeah? So with, with something like if you know there's not going to be a clear winner on win-loss draw, maybe you bring something that punches a bit harder so you get bigger wins. You know, or play yeah. scenario better, so you get better scenario wins, or something. And you still need to get lucky as well. You know, you just need to do that. So the difference between one game, I don't think, is big enough to be worried about it. It's nice to get it in. I mean, but then everybody's everybody's got a different perspective, haven't they? And so you never please it. No, that's right. And so, what army did you take, John? Uh, I took the filthy night stalkers. Did you? Oh. Yeah. How did you not win? Aren't night stalkers easy mode? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, um, no. So I took Night Stalkers, but as I alluded to earlier, I didn't necessarily give myself enough time to to plan yeah. and test my army. Although I did do a fair few games beforehand, but my bright idea was uh, to take a list without any soul flares in it. Okay. Yeah, I thought, and I, I think yeah. Sorry, you go. I was going to say, I thought you know, I give everybody a chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, yeah. I've only played, I think, a game or two on UB, and I mean, obviously, they're going to probably get a little touch on the head. But such a good unit from they just provide you so much board control, right? Because they compared to other large cavalry, uh, large cavalry regiments, they hit so hard, but they're also speed ten. But then the wind blast means that particularly if you take multiple units in a combination with, say, a Mind Screech or something, you really should never be charged first. <laughs> so you just get no. so much board control, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, they are good, but I think some they do get maybe more hype. <laughs> it's just because they do, they hit, and if they don't hit well, they die. Most of the time, you know, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And and look, I, yeah, I think if you took them in isolation, if you put them in another list, we probably wouldn't talk about them so much. But it's probably just yes. you know, there's there's uh, there's a few things that are slightly too good altogether in the Night Stalkers. But um, yeah, yeah. So I don't have you have you seen the nerf for them, John? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Speed eight, yeah. but they still do their shenanigans. They'll still jump out from behind stuff. I think the like the biggest hit I think is that the uh, the riff, the riff weaver, um, riff weaver, horror riff weaver. There you go. Um, horror riff weavers now lost the aura spell ward, which was what was making them really tough. Because it, yeah. it wasn't just a case of you were able to jump from behind stuff. You go right, okay, I'm going to lightning bolt you. Oh, you're sick of hitting them. And you're like, yeah. whoa, hang on. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it made them really hard to get it to before they hit you. So yeah. I think a combination of things really does make them limits their ability a bit. Yeah, and I think. I don't. My, my, I don't feel like though the combination of nurse because on at face value it looks like a whole bunch. I think the night stalkers will sit, still sit nicely yeah, in power level. Like I, I don't think oh, we're going to see it be too impactful, right? I, I'd still, for me, I'd still take the same list I was taking pre uh, change. It was just they wouldn't be as good. Um, yep. I don't think it's any fair. I mean, it's uh, even things like the a mind screech now as well being. A lower height, so it's only height four now. Doesn't sound like much, but it just means that you can now hide your wizards with confidence behind stuff and not worry about yeah. them being blasted up off their yeah. feet. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a good change. Uh, so tell us what was actually in your list. So it was uh, seven regiments of scarecrows. Uh, it was three units of doppelgangers. And then uh, three mind screeches, because why not? Uh, three horror riff weavers, three butcher flesh rippers, and uh, the banshee, who's also been nerfed, but she was pretty cool. Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a really interesting list. I mean, that's not... I don't think anyone's running a list like that. I mean, we saw Nick's all oh, scarecrow yeah. army, right? But um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's very different to what we normally see on the table for night stalkers, except for the three mind screeches. So <laughs> it's I an auto bid, isn't it? You just yeah, turn on the yeah. easy army. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they come from. So, so I mean, you did mention that you didn't have much experience with this exact list, but h- how different was this list compared to what you had normally been playing with? Uh, it, um, I mean, massively different in just, uh, you know, switching to having lots of regiments of scarecrows and doppelgangers. I hadn't used doppelgangers before, and they're a kind of a strange unit, ones which would um, it's totally dependent on your enemy's uh, opponent's list. Yeah. <laughs> They can get chaffed out by really chaffy units and they can't do much against them. Against yeah, the right, relies on your just... opponent running into them too, right? <laughs> Correct, yeah. But that's where seven regiments of scarecrows come in. So you just end up basically setting up a battle line where the scarecrows kind of move forward, you know, just eyeballing your opponent to charge them. And when they do, it just everything seems to hit you from an angle. And it was really effective kind of testing before we kind of came in, played quite a few UB games. and and sometimes I didn't need to do much. They just rolled forward. People would hit them, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, where did all those guys come from? So it was interesting. It was different. What do you see as the strength of this list and then, yeah, counterpoint the weaknesses? Now, the strength is it just it makes you roll so many dice. You get to roll lots of dice, and your opponent has to roll lots of dice. When you think, like, you know, you, I need to take a nerve test, and you're all relying on one nerve test, this army is a case of, well, actually, it doesn't matter on that one nerve test. You've got to do three or four of them to uh, to get anywhere, and only one of them has to have a bad roll. And I'm I've got you where I need you. So it's um yeah, just got a lot of redundancy in it. One of the biggest problems though is it's just really slow. So yep. there was a there's going to be some armies who can just hold back, constantly chip away, and then dive in at the right moment. Your Basilians would be a good example with like you know utilizing the new Phoenix, and you could just edge edge me towards you and then hit me when uh, when and where you wanted but mm. it's 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 still difficult to do but it's a possibility and how did certain things perform or not perform for you over the weekend uh, in, in, within the list uh, my army did fine it was just me <laughs> <laughs> uh, well at least you're not blaming the tools mate <laughs> no no it wasn't um one of the problems about trying to paint all these miniatures in time is that I'm typically the last of the minute kind of guy. So the week beforehand, I was staying, you know, up until the early hours trying to get stuff painted. So when it actually came to the day, my brain was fried. I was going, right, okay, it should be fine. The list should just sort itself out. Nope. <laughs> so yeah, they all did all right. I mean, my opponents were probably probably the most annoying thing is like the the banshee. Uh, have you can't uh, play the banshee yet? No, I don't think I've. I have. Oh, I might have played against it once, but I've completely forgotten what it does and why it's so annoying. That's the kind of opponent I like to play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, 
it's it's horrible because it's uh it's like two shots, which is like you know that, that and I think it's the new druid, isn't it? The, the two shot a turn kind of IP. So yep. you can use that plus the Zephyr Crown, although you can't use that in the new rules. Mm. So it will get two wind blast eights. And it doesn't sound like much, but it mm. just right from the start is flying towards you, blasting you, putting you off, and then lightning bolts from the mind screeches. It was just slowly just chugging through units and it can just hold an entire flank up if you only put a couple of units on a flank and they're not fast enough the banshee just comes around a corner your army advances and the wind and she's just wind blasting you back as you're trying to get anywhere near them yeah and i think that that's something that really defines the night stalkers isn't it that that high value wind blast and also the ability in combination to have so much of it it actually yeah uh, it, it's really at the moment the only army that you see the bulk wind blast, right? Maybe Empire of Dust if you're going to build that way, but it's the only one where it's really effective, isn't it? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't know any other army that uses it uh, as well. I'm, I'm, the only other army I've seen used is a Northern Alliance army that my yeah. uh, friend Rob, Rob Fitz, he, he uses, and it's uh, to a certain slightly worse because he's got more shooting. And yeah. because he uses frozen, what happens is you go towards his army, you, you stay cautious, he wind blasts a couple of units back, freezes everything else, so you're still out of charge range. You're going, oh, so I have to run forward into the ice elementals. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other way I've seen it used effectively, I think, I'm trying to remember the game, it was in second edition, and I would take three dwarf organ guns. And then I was playing uh, Nick Legrand, who's been on the sh- show before. I think he was taking Rordia, and I think one of their wizards or something could get it. So he'd move his wizard into range of the organ guns. He'd lightning bolt them first and then bring another one into range and wind blast them out of range so I couldn't shoot. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I'd just be taking chip damage on my organ guns and be o- unable yeah. to shoot anything else. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible for things like that. Yeah. I've wind blasted things behind woods, which is just hilarious. <laughs> you know, as you go, oh, you're a big scary dragon, are you? Yeah. Oh, and it's in an interesting spot because being able to do it basically only in that army helps give the Night Stalkers flavour. But on the other hand, if it's not being taken in any other army, it's almost a crappy spell. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's in a really difficult spot, that spell, I think. It is, but I think it's still, I mean, I've had it where people have used to put on miniatures or put it on a wizard, for example, and I am, I've totally forgotten about it. And then it comes in clutch, like uh, right at the end of the Absolutely. game, because the wizard is always the last thing to, to get it, and you're in a dominate circle, you're on invade, and this wizard just goes, no, you're not. And you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And when I'm building lists, I'm thinking, oh, you know, what about that? Yeah, it could absolutely be, right? Particularly if you go second, someone's, yeah, or just moved within three inches of a token and you go, see you later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's horrible. Uh, The other one is that I want to try with the Empire of Dust is on, uh, obviously with all the new miniatures coming out, it's tempting to just to get, I've already got an Empire of Dust army, but to go all mantic with it. It's uh, Mm. uh, the combination of Surge. So you just wind blast yes. something and then surge into the exposed uh, flank or wherever it ends up being. I, I, I love that idea in theory too. I just know that I'm not good enough to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, where I think enthrall fails spelt too, right? Like I really like the idea of the combination of enthrall and surge, but you just don't get enough of it in combination in the armies that can do it. 
So yeah. you don't quite get enough enthrall and surge together. You just you need more practice, Matt. That's what it is, mate. Yeah, <laughs> that that is probably true, but I don't think it'll help. <laughs> you you only um, need an inch, which is what she yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Do you want to give us either a bit of a rundown or some highlights of your games? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, probably good. Uh, just to go for the opponents because I had quite a mix this time. We had quite a mm-hmm. few. Uh, European guys come in, but I went uh, three and two. Uh, but as I already pointed out, I was exhausted the first couple of games. So I played a chap called Richard Laking in the first game, and he was using a short range racking sheet here. So he had loads of uh, nightmares, and then he had the formation, which is like the two shredders and like the death engine, and they can just redeploy. And then he had brood mothers to kind of like uh, heal you all up. Um, it was a it was, it was a really good list, and it, it was just a really good good um, uh, army to take against me because he was just able to shoot me, stay out of range, and just keep chipping away and then charge in. I just didn't know what, what I was doing because I was going, I don't know what's going on, and then he just died. So he took a big win on that. Um, I don't know if you have many Ratkin players over in in in, in the Oz. But- not many. We've got um, in our gaming group. We have a Ratkin army in the sh- in the shed, and I, it does combine shooting very well, doesn't it? Yeah, it was surprising a lot of heal as well. It was a surprising lot of heal because he had Iron Resolve Aura that comes from the the formation, and then uh, Radiance of Life. So it was just all the little chip damage I was doing was just like, coming back. I was like, damn yeah. you. I think it's a great scenario, Army. I don't I don't know why we don't see more of it rising to the top. I think it might be mostly about probably the presence in terms of the, the, the volume of people playing Ratkin because I, I feel like it's in a really good place as a scenario, Army. But, yeah, I don't know what you think about that. I think uh, rats are a, they're a really good choice. They've got so many good options available to them. Um, I've seen some really good armies. I just guess it's... I think they've suffered a little bit originally when they didn't. They had a few units, but they didn't have a complete range. Although that's slowly getting better, isn't it? So, yeah, I think the things like the tunnel runners and stuff like that was a really good unit. Uh, I think people are just coming around to them. What we had a lot in the second edition is the army to take was the shock troops, um, which was three hordes of shock troops, and just everything else was just there to support them. And it yeah. kind of really changed. And I think when that happened, we a lot of Rackin players then ended up uh, choosing different armies rather than staying with Rackin, I think. Okay. And then so uh, on to game two. So I played Arthur Vase. I think, uh, I don't know if he, he was European. I don't know which country from. Apologies, Arthur, if you're listening to this. He was using a Forces of Nature list with Nile and Snarers, a couple of hordes of those, a couple of Heart Piercer units of the, the obligatory. Uh, air elementals who doesn't leave home without a greater air elemental forces of nature you should be shot mm-hmm. the Wiltfather uh, I think it was a regiment of worm riders as well and again I just wasn't wasn't really prepared for it so I just ended up um, the army scooted across he would throw all his elementals etc out and I just wasn't leaving myself open to counter attack enough and he just slowly grabbed me out because they can really heal uh, what what I hadn't seen before, which was quite good, uh, Celestial Re- Restoration. Have you come across that? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of times. I mean, 
Yeah, I think most armies don't tend to take it because I think it's at its best at level three, right? Which is quite expensive for most people to get. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what he was doing was using a Gladewalker Druid at the back, so just hiding behind everything. And then because it was the double shot one, he was able to fire this, you know, taking the upgrade. So it was level three, so he's got two shots. Oh, sorry, three dice, and just like flinging it over at like greater air, uh, air elementals and the Wilt Father. And I was like, oh god damn it. <laughs> so I was doing lots of damage and it was healing back up and I just couldn't quite get him uh, good player he was a good player yeah. mm. uh, but it was kind of frustrating after you had all good expectations of doing a tournament I was 2-0 down before I'd even started yeah <laughs> but, but then you know you get to club your way through some seals back to the top don't you uh, yeah <laughs> and unfortunately the seal that I came across is uh, a great guy uh, Seb Reeves he's uh, he's done some really good work uh painting and stuff in the, the local area really nice guy um but he, he tended he kind of already lost by the time he got to the table you know uh, the good thing about having a, a, a terrifying reputation is it's a terrifying reputation <laughs> <laughs> so uh he was like why do i have to play you i've lost two games now i have to play you second in the uk i went yeah well the reason you have to play me is because i've lost two games Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's a lovely guy and stuff, but he's um, yeah. As I said, he'd already kind of decided he'd lost, um, and he was using halflings. So he had a big horde of knights. And he had um, no, he wasn't using halflings. So he was using Rordia. He was using lots of halflings in a Rordia list. So he had halfling knights in a horde, and he had hordes of the honor guard, which are just really good for doppelgangers because they love hordes of hordes yeah. of knights. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Bless his heart. He's, uh, he did actually, Seb actually ended up winning um, uh, Best Sportsmanship. And he said he'd only, in that tournament season, he'd only won three games all all season. Um, but he managed to get, a, uh, I think it was at least one victory as well this, this tournament. So I think it'll be, it's improved his ratio a little bit. But yeah. he won the worst, most, most sporting. So yeah. that was a bad spot. Yeah, well, that's that's the sign of someone really sporting, isn't it? When you're getting smacked around a bit, but still providing a good game. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, that's a good thing I think, uh, about our, our scene is that, I mean, I try not to do it, is that when you're playing a game, it, it, even if you're losing, you're still, you know, you're not throwing your toys out of the pram kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, nothing worse than that when you come across it. Yeah. Okay. So that's where, so we're three games in and you're one and one and two. Yeah. So that was day one. Uh, went home, drowned the sorrows, came back the next day. Lucky for him, two more games. Uh, played Raul from Spain, so one of the Spanish guys, and that was a Night Stalker, uh, Night Stalker uh, Civil War, as it were. Um, Ooh, the, the no inspiring game. The no inspiring game. The, yeah. If you roll a six, you win. Um, so because I'd had the experience of the first day, it kind of came in. My angles were a little bit better, uh, and this was a, a push scenario where, with the twenty units, I was able to deploy my entire army and then put the push tokens over on a flank. And just basically just walks them all the way down. Uh, I think the doppelgangers managed to get into some butcher hordes, and it was it was a fairly good victory for me there. He was a really nice guy, and he was constantly playing it, you know, saying, oh, "Sorry, my English isn't very good." And I go, "Well, yeah. like we always say, your Spanish is a lot, your English is a lot better than my Spanish." Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and he was a really nice guy. I can't complain. He was really good. They, uh, they seem to have a really strong meta over there, don't they? Um, I think what they do is that they come over here um, on Clash of Kings and, and take it as as it is. It's like, you know, uh, the biggest tournament of the year and um, yeah. really come to to play the game. 
Uh, yeah. And I buy that. You know, it's like if you're going to do something, do something well. If you're going to fly all the way over to another country and take a team meeting, they do. We just got to make sure in the, the UK we're better prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, and then last game. And last thing was against Ulysses using his Empire of Dust, and he had he had uh, enslaved guardians, so two of the shooting ones, two of the combat ones. If you're an Empire of Dust player, you know pretty much like the bone of it, which is going to be Soul Snare and a Monolith. So we had those. A few chaffy units kind of thrown in. Unfortunately, I think what happened is my dice weren't particularly good through most of the tournament. He suffered that, you know, that one game you get every, uh, you know, every so often where you just go, I'm going to roll these dice. I need fours. Oh, every single one of them has worked. Fantastic. I'll roll these dice. Mm-hmm. So it's happened again. And he just, he got unlucky. I think it was, I think in the first turn, I killed his, uh, the leech priest. I can't remember, Sebek Ray. And he was just hiding behind a unit of like mummies and going, I'm perfectly safe over here. And he got lightning pulsed to death by two mind speeches in one turn. <laughs> You're dead. Yeah. And when uh, you're taking him, he's usually a very important part of the Empire Dust list, isn't he? Like he's a great yeah, character. Yeah. And, then, and that's the thing is that you look at the rest of the Empire Dust list, he was like, well, you're defense five or you've got high nerve or you're in cover. And I go, I'll just shoot him. He's only got defense four, right? Yeah. Even if I don't kill him, right? <laughs> he's going to dead next turn. Uh, and you go, well, I can't even hide him that well. And I went, no, you can't. He was a nice guy. Uh, as you said, what he played him on UB and stuff, and he was a good player. It was just one of those games, I think, where it was just a combination of setting up fairly well and then just getting really lucky on the dice. So got three big wins out of it. And as I said, I came, I came just uh, one place behind my teammate, Mike, who he'd had the most stressful tournament he'd had in a long time. Just typical, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> so, what, what, so where did you come in the end? And um, uh, unfortunately, I didn't really check. I think it's like twenty first. I'm going to go with twenty first. Um, oh, yeah, no, right? Twenty first. Yep, I'm on the page now. Yep, twenty first. I, I was trying to show that I didn't care, but obviously I do. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. but, Look, yeah. only what? Only twenty eight points behind the winner. Yeah, it's only a game in a bit, isn't it? Only when a you game. think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was disappointed I didn't get to play some of the, the guys at the top, but I've only got myself to play. You know, yeah. it's always a way with these things, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, would you recommend the event? Oh, 100%. I think, yeah. um, I, I don't know if you know, like uh, Clash of Kings in the UK, they tend to travel around. I mean, I don't know if they have Clash of Kings in uh, Australia yeah, in the no, same so, place every time. Yeah, yeah. So I run it same place every year. So. Um, oh, it's you who's holding it back. Oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, because it's it's timed with, it used to be located at the biggest gaming convention, kind of like yours was this year, and it's still timed to match with that, but we just run it off-site now. Well, we have the last few years, like through Corona and stuff like that, just to <laughs> separate own catering, everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're probably going to, it, no, I know for a fact it's going to be somewhere else. It always ends up being somewhere else in the UK. Yeah. Um, but I always recommend going to it because I think we just we do get a few. You know, we get people from Spain coming over. I think that's we get some international visitors in Norway. We had France. I think it was Austria, Switzerland. Uh, Martin Offner, who had met at the LGT the previous year, some lovely painted Brazilians. He was there. Yeah, it's. I'd recommend it. It's it's good fun. And, you know, if you play me, I'm probably going to be playing badly. 
So, you know, you've got a good chance. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for the rundown of the event. Now, the um, the other topic I want to discuss with you is, you know, having been with Kings of War for a while now, John, I thought I'd like to get your opinion, you know, given that we're on the, the cusp of the big red book coming out, is where the game is at this point in time. So what I'd like to lead with is having been through second and now, you know, a few years of third, what in your mind has improved from second to third? Well, well as actually, a, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. So in, uh, what in your is in your mind, is third edition improved on second? And if yes, why? And also if no, why? I mean, is this... Is this a kind of question? Is it like uh, as a game system, or is it just as as a hobby as a whole? What are you kind of thinking? Uh, a bit, a bit, a bit of everything, but probably as a mo- mostly as a game system. Okay, I mean, yes, I think it has improved. People have different opinions and these kind of things, but I think it has improved, and I think it's most important. It's done in small increments, but I think the important thing is it continues to improve. I think we've got a. The game system has good foundations and will constantly look to get better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do you think there's anything in particular that that improved? Like, what is something that that's definitely improved? Is it is it the the way we play? Was it the removal of the one inch step back? I mean, is there anything that really stood out to you as being an improvement between those editions? Uh, I mean, for me, it was nice. I think there's. It's hard to kind of put your finger on one thing. I, don't, I mean, from my point of view, I don't know about you, but it's. I think there's lots of little incremental changes that have just been beneficial. I think, I, I don't know, I mean, like the third felt like a kind of step back a little bit from second edition. Does that sound about right? Oh, sorry, I was going to just say, you know, just going to say that like the armies, et cetera, they just wanted to bring it back a little bit just to, try and give the foundation a bit of a, an extra boost. Mm. Yeah, I think that in a way, I think I think we came into third with things being a bit more even. And then I think mm. we saw varying opinions on whether they were flavorful or not, the different armies. I, I felt like we got a little bit more flavor, but I think one of the things that suffered in third initially were the themed armies, the theme lists. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think certainly we started third in probably a more even place. I would agree with that. Yeah. It's your bugbear, isn't it? You know, too many armies, right? We've got to. Oh, look, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily mind it. I don't, I don't necessarily mind it as as long as they have a place. And I just don't. I just wonder in what is essentially a volunteer led game. Is you know, is it worthwhile having that many armies, or is it worthwhile having bigger armies and less of them and allow more creativity? And keep it balanced. That, that that's the only thing that I think. Yeah, like yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't mind the fact that there's a lot. I just think, could we have a better game with less? I think, I, I guess, the game might not be better for having less. I think you'll always end up like, ruining somebody's like opinion on the hobby. There's always somebody who plays that one army that you want to get rid of. Um, but I think you've got to think why we had all those armies in the first place is so we could we could pull it over from Warhammer, couldn't we? So we could mm-hmm. had an army for everybody. And by turning it into a theme army, all they were trying to do was stop the duplication they were doing anyway. So if they try and change Earth Elementals, Earth Elementals are now in three, four, five different armies, aren't they? So yep. it's a lot easier for them to manage. I can totally understand that. Um, uh, as you're right, I think it, 
you've also got to consider that uh, the support that Mantic are, are giving for them. They're, they're getting better. There's armies now. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the Empire of Dust release. I've just looked at some of the ogres as well. Just seen some of the yeah. pictures of the ogre chariots. I don't know if you've seen those yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. They are nice. Yeah. Mm. That's a little mm moment there. And um, yeah. <laughs> as they as they do that, I think it's it, it's going to improve. But I think you're right. You've got to think about the stress on what is already a, a volunteer group on what they're producing. I think theme armies are one way of getting around that hiccup or issue. But you're right. I think there has to be some validity to it. I mean, it's like a human army. I mean, it would be good to be able to have what we have at the moment, which is kings and kings of men, which give you maybe a bit more variety to port over different miniature ranges over to. And then you've got Rodia, which is more of the kind of empire and the kind of weird and wacky stuff alongside humans. So I don't know if there's a necessary need for both of them because you could accommodate both of those in one list, I think. Um, but, yeah, and I think that's I think that's mostly what I would yeah I think that's mostly what I would lean towards. I, I I don't I don't think we should completely kill off anything. It's more you know do can we create a list that encompasses them in one list rather than having to have lots of different things. But yeah, I, I don't know I, I don't know what what direction they'll end up taking. Um, I think yeah. what we're seeing is a move towards their own IP, and I think if that's the way they go, then you know they're, that's they're entitled to do that. You know, oh, well, for them. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now we obviously have the big red book coming out, so let's let's assume that doesn't exist and that you're unaware of what what's in that. <laughs> go into a, into another dimension. Quite, what's going yeah, on? Quite quite an, quite an assumption. <laughs> what's what's something that you don't like in the game at the moment? Oh, like a, a specific rule or something, or yeah, um, rule, yeah, something like that. Um, weirdly, and I'm going to be really, it's really hard, I think, to kind of uh, pick out elements of the, the rule set and be really kind of like that's wrong because I think a lot of the stuff does work and it works together. But the one thing that gets me is interesting is uh, the one inch rule, right? Um, and it kind of gives where we are at this point in time is it's kind of like something that kind of whispers along. A lot of the rule set and when and where it applies really does kind of it, it just kind of like flows in and out if that makes sense so then this entire thing around withdrawal and engagement i think has an impact because of the one inch rule you know um yeah yeah so, so you're so to clarify you're not specifically referencing withdrawal you're talking about you know can't come within an inch with, with a unit but then you can on the charge how that yeah, kind of you know is a bit yeah, exactly yeah it's kind of because it's at the start of the book it's kind of it's, you know, saying, well, you shouldn't be overcoming within one inch of a unit just so on enemy, just to keep that separation so you can have that flow of the game. Um, and then there'll be certain instances where it does. And then it highlights it as it goes through. Um, I think it then makes it difficult for them to really understand. And I think lots of the issues that we have around things like the withdrawal and um, disengage and when and where it can't be done is because it's not necessarily specified. It's just part of the rule then explains why and where it doesn't break it doesn't then get referenced back to somewhere where you can turn around and go oh i can do it here but i can't do it there kind of thing you know yeah so maybe just a bit of a better clarification around that just a clarification it's not changing anything i think it would just make it a little bit easier um although obviously that's in a in a new dimension where we don't have the big red book and withdrawal hasn't been taken away anyway but anyway yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah true true uh, um Having said that, 
you know, now we're back in our dimension with the big red bull oh. existing. And, the weather's and, changed. Yeah, and where and where withdrawal is now optional. It knowing the UK scene, do you see most tournaments keeping it with that penalty or not having it, or you have no idea? I, I was interested to find out, so I asked a lot of the guys who are local to me what their thought process was, not it? And I think unanimously it was well, not unanimously, but a huge majority out of nine people, seven said yes. Two said no. Um, so seven, no, the other way around, um, said no. We just just take withdraw out, just leave it out, keep it as it is in the rule book, and don't confuse things. So I don't know how that's kind of had. Uh, if you had a similar kind of response, right? So sorry, as in, so they will remove because withdraw is in the original rule book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so they, sorry, they're saying they're saying get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting in in different places. I'm certainly I'm keeping it for Clash of Kings Australia, which is what three months away now. I think that's easier at the moment to keep it with a penalty for people to adapt to. But then I'm not sure what I'll do after that. Yeah, and I don't think there's a wrong way of doing it. I think it's just mm. preference. I think, mm. um, yeah. and everybody's got, everybody's got their own opinion about what yeah. what, what best to do. I, yeah. I, I, I really one. like the negative one. I really like the negative one. Oh, okay, know. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, be, because I think because I, 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 I think thematically it represents something that you, should be hard to do, right? So like pulling out of one combat and just randomly going into another. <laughs> um, yes. And But it's not like that would be impossible, right? So particularly if you think about things happening all at once. So if you had a situation where two units are in combat face-to-face, one's withdrawing to go into another combat, but then another one comes into the existing combat. So like if you think about that thematically or cinematically happening all at once, you could think about it as, you know, one unit comes in to hold up the other so the other can go and fight. Do you know what I mean? But. Like I, yeah. I see tag in, right? You're, you're almost thinking like the wrestling analogy there, aren't you? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. And so, like, I can see the reason for withdrawal existing, and I think, but I also see the other side is I don't necessarily believe that we get a worse game without it because I don't think that has been proven. Because I said this in a recent episode of ours is people will change the way they play if it's not there. But I, I do agree with the people that I think we probably shouldn't have been given the option. I think if they were going to do it, like they probably would have been better off leaving it because that's how most people have learned how to play with it. And but mate, just giving the negative one or getting rid of it completely. I, I'm kind of there with you, and is that optional things should be down to like a community element. You know, if they want yeah. to, there's no harm in anybody play with a withdrawal. They could make their own withdrawal rule up if they really wanted to. The only reason we rely on the rule book is so that we've got, I can play you on the other side of the world in a game mm. that we both know how to kind of play. If I was, and that's the interesting point from that is you turn on and you want to play with withdraw or not. And you go, I don't even know what withdraw is. Okay, no problem. We won't play with it then, you know, and you kind of move from there. Whether it's thematic or not, or, or what it comes to, it's up to the individuals. They can all come up to a justification why and wherefore yeah. you could or couldn't do it. My only bone of contention about the withdrawal rule that they have now is it's more complicated 
And if anything, I prefer it to be less complicated. That's my yeah. only contention because especially in, in, in what, yeah, in what way is it more complicated? Do you think? Um, and it, I think the withdrawal rule was still probably the most complicated rule that we have without going the ins and outs of it, but also adding in the minus one, I can envisage the scenario where I'm playing in a tournament and I'm having to tell a player that he's got minus one to hit when he does the move that he's just done. And you go, why? Well, because of this rule. Or I didn't know that existed. I went, yeah, but it does now. And it's, it's not something well, yeah. I really want to broach. And I think, that's, I think that's the problem with the optional, right? So now yeah. what I've done is is... Like I've gone and adjusted my Clash of Kings pack and said the withdrawal rule is in play with the negative one to hit. So so for mine, it means that the tournament organiser needs to take more of a responsibility and then it's on the player to actually read the pack. <laughs> um, who does that, though? I don't know yeah, who I know. does that. I know. They don't bloody do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, sometimes I read the pack and then forget about it because I read it a month ago. And then I go, what, what scenario are we doing in the first round? Oh, yeah, we're doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it'd be interesting to see what happens. But I am... I'm, I'm a totally kind of positive kind of guy, and it's like sometimes a change is just nice. And I think it's something that we we've taken for granted a little bit, and it has to be remembered that every single uh, year we get a change for all of our armies. You know, a rule change or a, an army unit change or something along those lines, which just means that the game is different. Some people are saying, "Oh, well, I didn't get any changes to my army," and you're going, "Well, that's good because Night Stalker's just got a load of nerfs." So yeah. Just yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and the other interesting thing is we might, might, if Mantic used this app to create more of a living rule system, we might actually see, you know, small changes more frequently. I'd be surprised only because I don't think the resource for Mantic is there to do that. And I don't, I don't think it's necessary. It, it could be, though, that you're right. It could be that changes are easy to to implicate and they may mm. do something like that yeah. um but i think also i think it's there is the opportunity if if individuals or groups or something want to make their own rule pack to do it they they can yeah and that's what we're already kind of doing i mean you know rob is a fan of his special units and tournaments isn't he you know yeah yep yeah absolutely mm. yeah. so at the at the end of 2021, so meaning Clash of Kings 22, we, yeah. we got a we got a big release. It, like it was the the biggest update probably between editions that we'd seen. How how do you think the game evolved over that time? I, I thought that was. I mean, I, I don't know if I give. I thought it's the most exciting time for Kings of War we've had in a long time because the third was such a such a kind of like uh, retraction, wasn't it? It was kind of like let's, let's raid in all this stuff, you know. Let's. Let's stop everything getting a little bit too crazy. Let's just reevaluate. And then Clash of Kings, like, <laughs> Clash of Kings 22 is like, let's have all this cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A load yeah. of things at you. And everybody went, oh, wow, I can do this. And it was, I, I quite enjoyed it, you know? I don't know about Did, you. I mean, is that a similar kind of thing? I, I, I agree. And I mean, my belief is that I don't even think we've seen the full realization of all the changes in that book yet. What, what do you think about that? No, 100%. As I yeah. think there's still every army, there's so many lists I haven't seen. I mean, I came to Clash of Kings and that was last weekend. And there was a list I was going, oh, that's a really good combo. I did think about that. Oh, that's really good. I don't think we've seen the full potential of everything released. I think we've had a little bit of a clip now with a red book coming in. Because that's, yeah. I think that's done a few necessary nerfs in certain mm-hmm. places. But I still think there's a lot of opportunity there. 
I'm really looking forward to doing a Basilian list. I'm really looking forward to the new Phoenix coming in there and just changing everything up. And that, yeah, I just haven't had time to experience it all. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I think this Red Book, like with what is theoretically Clash of Kings inside it, but just integrated. That's why I think this is an excellent release. One of the reasons mm. I think it's an excellent release is because I think out of Clash of 20, uh, yeah, Clash 22, we saw the rise of the stuff that was a little bit overpowered in the Night Stalkers and some builds of the Ogres. <laughs> and then that little clip to those things means that we're going to see, we're still going to see more of the old book now realised. I mean, we've still barely seen any halflings, right? So oh, yeah. I, I think we're going to see more stuff emerge. Awesome army. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think that's what you're building and painting them, aren't you, Matt? Aren't you? Yeah, yeah, you're just building and painting halflings because you're a a dirty, filthy power gamer. Oh, makes me sick just saying. I know it's it's going to be they're they're definitely going to be OP, right? (laughs) Hundred percent, Matt. Why are you at the bottom of the the table again? Come on, right? Exactly. Yeah. What's your favourite part of the game currently? I think it kind of leads to what we just talked about—the variety. I think we're at the best position. I think second edition, right at the end of the second edition, we had a really good like uh, amount of variety. Kind of came back with third, and I think we've just surpassed that again, and just got into a place where there's so many options out there. And I think there's been some really kind of nice little kind of like move away from that kind of old Warhammer style army, like um, hold up or hang up on, on the old miniatures, and we've really just kind of expanded out on on so many armies. Like special characters, I think have been. You know, added so much kind of flavour, I think, to some of the armies. I mean, yeah. who doesn't want to use Shakira, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's been a cool little addition because everybody goes, oh, you know, everybody knows Shakira. Um, it was quite funny talking to Raoul at that, the Clash of Kings, and he was, I was so happy that, every, you know, even the British call her Shakira. I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's don't lie. Counter to that, like, we, we kind of discussed what, like the withdrawal probably being for, for your sorry the one inch rule in general mm-hmm. being the the probably the thing that you find least tidy for the game if if you is that is that kind of your least favorite and if you were given a chance to change anything would it be something revolving around that yeah probably around that I think that makes yeah. the most sense because I think it's 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 because it's so simple and the game is so fluid as it is subtle changes you know are only the, the kind of things you want to make. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. I mean, I had, I have liked the, I love the, you know, with the big red book, we've gone to different facings. Now I'll give you, like, uh, you can get them in without having to worry about which side you do first. Yeah, you know? the, the smart charging concept. Yeah, yeah. That was that was actually quite a whole, that was a little bit of a hang-up where most of the time it was fine, but explaining to a new player why they couldn't do something, again, was just, it, it was, more taxing your brain on something where they right, you've got an advantage. It shouldn't be this hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and, and yeah, and I actually think that it's quite a significant change. That yeah, yeah, it's kind of, like, kind I, of I, glossed I think, over a little bit. And I think yeah. it's one of it's it's a nice little holistic change. And I think I, I'm not getting to know what the connotations are until we start playing. But I think it just makes it a lot easier. You don't have to worry about it so much. Yeah, no, I agree. And so, what would your wish for the game be over the next year? For us, I think it's it's the game itself. I just you know we'd like to see more games being played. I'm half worried we've got this tightening of every pocket, the cost of living. We 
I don't know what it's like in, in Australia, but in the UK, we've been lucky to have a tournament every weekend, pretty much, yep. somewhere in the UK, sometimes two or three. I mean, even Clash of Kings had, uh, <clears throat> um, even Clash of Kings had um, two, two tournaments going on at the same time because the players in the north who couldn't make Clash of Kings decided they're going to run their own tournaments, so they did that. And I'm just worried that we don't end up losing some of them because of the cost and the, uh, the expenses of actually running a tournament going up. For me personally, I actually want to do a lot of work on um, getting out and reaching out to other fantasy games. I want yep. to spend some time actually just going over, giving them some of my time to, because just like us, you know, they're, they're probably struggling to get regular games in. I know I go, there's a chap who's only maybe 20 miles down the road from us who doesn't get a regular game because there's nobody close to him to play his game system. So I said, well, I'll come and play a few games with you as long as you come and play a few games with us. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Just nice to bring maybe all the fantasy gamers together, you know, because we, we're so separated in our own little silos. And in the end, we're playing exactly the same game, aren't we? We're playing with toy miniatures in the fantasy realm uh, across the tabletop. Uh, but don't get me started. I played 8th edition again. And it's one of the things you, you want to play against somebody and have fun with them. At the back of your mind, are going, Jesus, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think particularly if you haven't played it for a while, right? To walk into a game like that is so so hard. I tell you, what's booming in Australia is sixth edition Warhammer. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, you got yeah. some guys locally playing it. There's plenty, and like we were at a, we were, I was at a tournament recently, and there they had a tournament that was as big as ours. Yeah, and it's and I'm I'm getting to sell off all my old GWLs for a primo price because everyone wants them. <laughs> They're in demand, are they? Yeah, I'd, uh, yeah. I've been holding on to um, uh, the crypto of um, uh, of Warhammer models. I've got a Tomb King army, which is all painted, you know, yeah. all lovely. And yeah. it's like you know, you start looking at eBay, going, oh, 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 you know, you could get some premium dollars for this. Then yeah. you know, all you do is end up buying you some more. <laughs> yeah, well, I I had a whole bunch of like old metal war dancers of various mm-hmm. editions. And they're selling yeah, yeah. for about like um, eight bucks Australian a model. Oh, that's only fifty p, isn't it? Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh no, I shouldn't say that. Now. The, dollar, the dollar is actually going. You know, sorry, the uh, yeah. US dollar, uh, American dollars, American dollar, no, Australian dollars are going to be worth far more against the pound the way we're going. Oh no, yeah. it all comes back round. It all comes yeah. back round. It, it'll come back round. We'll be back in our place soon enough. <laughs> but that's what you could. Have. I think. I think if we all if we all spent and just gave some of our time just to go and play these inferior games and give them some time and just, I mean, I I used to play it edition, so it wasn't too hard for me to get back into playing it. It was surprising how much stuff that after ten years of not playing the game was still there in your memory and go, why have I why have I saved space for this? I don't understand why this is still in my brain. But yeah, um, exactly. And, well, and I will never forget things like Savage Beast of Horror spell, you know. know, know. <laughs> yes. I'll never forget. Why? Why have you not forgotten that? <laughs> Just, but, yeah, and then you go back and play it and um, and you have fun with the guys. And then the, the important thing is you're playing a fantasy game with somebody else across the table. You know, you give them a bit of time and then they give you a bit of time and you never know. The thing is, is that as long as that relationship survives, when when they realise their game is rubbish, you know, they know where to come. I think that's a great approach, and I I really haven't heard anyone, you know, speak of, I guess, what we're talking about is recruitment in a way there, um, in in that way before of, you know, we'll go and play someone else's game, 
you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and, but then yeah, say, look, I'll play yours if you play mine. I think, I think that's, that's great. You know, give them by playing them, their game, give them the opportunity to see a rule set that, you know, we think is better. But don't yeah, spend that whole game saying, oh, this rule is shit, you know. You oh, don't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, is interestingly, you, you'll have fun. I have fun in a different way because I got to relive something that I remember from the past. So that nostalgic trip was there for me. It may be different playing a completely new game. But, it, you know, if you don't enjoy it, it's probably because the person on the other side is the particular person you want to play anyway. But if you do enjoy it, it means that you just, you get to have a bit of fun and they can have a bit of fun and just, continue that relationship and so i've booked in some time with these guys so that i make sure that you know i'm going to be there every couple of months and then we can play a game and then you never know what comes from it but yeah. i won't forget I, I, I do you know we were talking about withdraw and like disengage and stuff like that and it's a big topic in there and the community at the moment uh, i had what the equivalent of like a horde of remnants like charging the rear by an individual right so i'm charging the rear i can see to the front of me a big horde, or not big, but like a regiment of knights. I'm going, I'd love to be able to charge those knights. Come on, coming off a hill, and I'm, you know, a horde of revenants, I'd probably kill them. Oh, you can't do that. Why? Well, because you've got this guy in the back who's, who's attacking you. I'm going, what? No, 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 you're stuck in combat. You have to fight this guy. I'm like, yeah, but I've got 40 skeleton warriors. They surely they yeah. just do whatever I tell them to do. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. can't escape that combat. You're just stuck. You can't escape yeah. that combat. And then that guy was also totally immune unless you had a magical attack. So you've basically yeah. got a load of skeletons who are going, so we're just standing here getting hit by something that I can't actually get to hurt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. I can't attack those guys over there who are literally two feet away. No, yeah. no, you're stuck. Um, so everybody count their blessings, right? Everybody listen to this. <laughs> it could be a lot worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple of last questions. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss around the state of the game at the moment? I know. I think we've covered a lot of it, haven't we? Okay. I mean, we don't yeah. want to bore listeners to death. You know, I could yeah. go on for ages. Well, not yet. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've, and a big question for you, John. You know, we've, we've seen some movement in the RC over the last year or so, and I'm not quite sure what's happening. If a position came up, would you be putting your hand up for it? Can you tell how much do they get paid again? Uh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, there might be some exchanges of miniatures. <laughs> How many hours do I have to commit to this? Um, a lot. <laughs> I love I love the game. And I was, you know, I'd do anything to to help it if I if I felt I could help. But at the same time, it all has to be balanced out. I think anybody who wants to go and do a role like that, it has to you have to have a serious thing about it. But I'd, I'd consider it. I'd consider it. Um, and then you can blame me. Yeah, be perfectly yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah. Right, you know. Yeah. What's the beauty, John, of, beauty of Facebook, right? I know where to find you to abuse you. Yeah, that's it. Why, why are these alohi <laughs> hordes now elite movement 11? Because that's yeah. perfectly fine. Uh, you know, I deal with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I have the army, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, he saw through my ruse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, now, something that we haven't done for a while, we haven't heard because I don't think we've had a list builder studio for, for a while. Not that this was a list builder studio, but we've got the rapid fire 10 questions to finish off with, John. So you've got to come, you've got to lead with the first thing that comes into your head, okay, as I ask, this, as I ask these questions. Are okay. you ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. They're all clean. 
This isn't like a normal oh. conversation with me. Someone else wrote the questions. Well, that's boring. <laughs> What's your favourite army? Basilians. Uh, What's your least favourite scenario? Uh, smoke and mirrors. Okay, yep. What drives you creatively or competitively? Uh, sorry, is it creative or is it competitive? Yeah. Competitively. Yep. When your opponent rolls snake eyes? Uh, celebrate and apologize. <laughs> when you roll snake eyes? <laughs> it depends on how drunk I am. I either throw the dice or just look depressed. <laughs> What's your favorite hobby material? Um, coconut husk. Ah. Ooh, interesting. What's yeah. your biggest gaming pet peeve? The multiple moving miniature. Uh, the picking them up, moving them over there. No, I'm going to move them over there, and I'm going to move them over there. And like, oh god, damn it! <laughs> yeah, all, all with the original position being unmarked. Oh, oh completely. <laughs> if you had to replace miniature wargaming with another hobby, what would it be? Oh bloody hell! Uh, poker. Okay. What other miniature war game would you not want to play? A Song of Ice and Fire. Okay. And if you had a romantic evening with Ronnie Renton, what would you whisper sweetly to him? <laughs> what kind of questions that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Doors are shit or something. I don't know. <laughs> I like it rough, apparently. There we go. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, that's bringing us to the end. Do you have any shout-outs you want to do? Uh, yeah. Um, we've got, obviously, in the UK, we've still got a few tournaments come before the end of the year. Everybody kind of, like, loses uh, energy after Clash of Kings. But Mike Smith, I've already kind of mentioned, he's a, um, a teammate of mine. He's running a tournament in November. Uh, Warfare, which is another uh, fairly bigger, like a uh, miniatures event. So not just Kings of War or the one. So he's got a few tickets available for that. So I want to shout out to that. I'm hopefully in the next like uh, day or so, I'm going to get my backside into gear. I'm going to put out uh, a post for another UB tournament, the Quintessential Quail Cup 2. No withdrawal. Okay. Um, Okay. Just uh, maybe fire up some time for another QC. Pardon? It's about time there was another QQC. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking yeah. every every Clash of Kings. So I only have to do this one, and then it's another two years, isn't it, until the following one? So I'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, so for myself, I shout out the Hobby Challenge, so Build Your Mantic Army. We've got, uh, what is it, two and a half months to go in that to get your 2,100 points done. I need to speed up a bit. I think I've got about 600 points done. So you did some to... things, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And some of it is just like the, the infantry, right, is cheap. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not getting much value there. And they're uh, but... hard to build. It's always the way, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but but I am using the Army Painter Quick Paints, so uh, that that speeds yeah, things up amazing. a bit. I love those yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm doing – I can't see myself except some of my – my existing army, so like my dwarves and my dragon empire and my dragon empire, I've put a lot of effort into. I can't see myself ever not using quick paints again. And I use them and just, I, I still highlight over it, even though you don't yeah. necessarily need to. I think it just makes it 
pop that little bit better. And then I think I think they do a great job. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's like um, I think I use those. Well, I, I don't. I know I use those pretty much all over the Night Stalkers because it was just easier to do. And then you get a, a decent finish, you know, and you don't have to worry about it too much. You know? Yeah, totally agree. Right. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the chat. Uh, thanks for your time, John. Uh, appreciate it on a on a Friday night your time. Well, and... I appreciate it on a on a Saturday morning your time. I mean, you know, now the rest of the family will be waking up, aren't they? That very soon. We're probably going to be finishing just in time. Any minute now through the child monitor, I'll probably hear Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to wean um, them off soon. You've got to wean them off soon, right? You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 